everybody. Welcome to Improv FAQ at Length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions surrounding them. I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. And we have a very special guest joining us. It is Mark Kendall. Welcome, Mark. Yay! Hey. How's it going? So, uh, thanks so much for being here, Mark. Um, yes. we, we, we've kind of been doing a, a sort of sub-series with our show here called a Show and Tell series. Um, and sure. that's what we're... Uh, uh, going to be talking with you about where in a show and tell series, we uh, talk about a show that we've been a part of and worked on and uh, the things that we learned from it uh, and have grown from it um, along the way. And uh, you have a show called the magic Negro and other blackness. Is that the official title? It's gone through a couple uh, title changes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like when I travel with it, it usually has the name, the magic Negro and other blackness just for like brevity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, uh, uh, there's a theater in town here where I did it a couple of years ago and it had a longer title. Uh, so that was the magic Negro and other blackity blackness is told by an African-American man who also happens to be black, which I, I have a, <laughs> uh, yeah. a pension for, um, long titles too. So I, that's actually yeah, my yeah. preference, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but so, um, it's a show that you've, uh, it's your so solo show that you've worked with for a long time, something like five or six years, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so so it's a really great show. Uh, Bob and I had a chance to see it when you came up and you've gone on tour with it. So you came up to mm -hmm. uh, the Michigan area and I think you hit all the theaters mm -hmm. um, in our yep. co comedy community, including Go Comedy, where uh, Bob and I saw it. And um, uh, it, it's gone through uh, all sorts of uh, cool progressions since then. Um, and so we were hoping to talk to you about the evolution of that show and your experience with it uh, and um, everything that uh, uh, comes along with it. Um, so for starters, uh, can you give us your short description of, of what that show is, how you describe it to people when they ask about it? Of course. Uh, the Magic Negro and Other Blackness, uh, the way I break it down is it's a one-person sketch show where I examine uh, the representation of black men in the media and uh, hosting the show is the Magic Negro archetype and so usually when you see the Magic Negro in movies, they tend to be an older black man, maybe with supernatural powers, that guides the white protagonist through the film. Mm -hmm. And so I use that archetype to guide the audience through the sketch show. Um, and so, uh, so what you're kind of seeing is the Magic Negro interacting with audience members, as well as me playing off of maybe common stereotypes or depictions uh, that are gone to a lot. Uh, for black men in, in, in TV and movies. And then I kind of, uh, that's kind of like the sandbox that I'm playing in. Um, and then as the show goes on, uh, I myself am introduced as a character. Mm -hmm. And I towards the end of the show, I kind of express my feelings about what it feels or what it means to uh, do comedy uh, as a black performer specifically. So that's kind of the whole show. Yeah, and it's it's a just in terms of like the form of it, it's a really um, nice mixed bag of those uh, characters that are talking directly to the audience. You have audience interaction, um, and you have uh, kind of you know sketches where you're we're playing multiple characters and bouncing around um, with the fourth wall still up, and like you said, uh, also including yourself as a uh, character or a voice in the show. Um, it's so well written. It's so great. Um, and yeah, it's such a tight show. 
Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You sent us, I got to watch it again. So I was, I was really oh, happy. Cool. Yeah. Like, thank you. Oh, cool. uh, it was so great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so can we get a little bit of the story behind uh, how it came to be and the early stages of developing it? Of course. Yeah. So I'll tell you the whole story. Um, I, I perform, I'm an ensemble member at uh, Daz Garage Theater, which is an improv theater in Atlanta. The, uh, when I tell people about Daz Garage, the thing that I think makes it a little different from most other improv theaters around the country is that in addition to being an improv theater that does shows every weekend back when there were shows, um, they are also simultaneously uh, a theater company. So they put out a season of theater every year. Uh, but rather than solely doing like works written by other people, so like Shakespeare or you know well-known musicals, the vast majority of the plays that are done are new original works written by the improvisers that are in-house. So Daz Garage is unique in that it gives a lot of playwrights their first chance to be produced where, uh, you know, at least I can only speak for Atlanta and Atlanta's tough to be produced just in general, you know, and so uh, as a playwright. Wow, and nice. so, uh, yeah, and so the in the way we decide what to produce is every year uh, we have what's called season planning. Uh, I don't know why I put it in quotes. That's what it's called. It's a half. Quote. Yeah, it's <laughs> called, called season planning. And so that's where the whole company. So performers, volunteers, uh, staff members, if you have any connection to the theater, you show up on an afternoon and people just pitch their ideas. And uh, so that's how I was able to get it produced at Daz Garage. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. can I ask you about that yeah. real quick? Just, just as, a, as sure. a little side note, because I think that's such a cool process of, uh, deciding yeah. as a community what to produce. Um, and I, right. I, I, some friends of ours went down and, and, uh, visited Atlanta and dad's garage and came back with that idea. And I just thought it was so cool. And, and so I'm just curious about how it works because you said that like everybody kind of comes together for like a town hall where you can pitch ideas and yeah. then, and then. Is it the same openness that that everybody votes on what's get what gets produced, or is it it's still a panel but smaller, or what? So as long as you show up and you stay for all the pitches, you're allowed to vote. And oh, um, wow. yeah, and That's so awesome. the votes, as I understand it, are like part of the consideration. So meaning, if you go and you pitch something and it scores high enough it has to be considered to be produced. Now there are other factors that come into it. So it's just like, they still have to put together a season each year that makes sense, you know? So if like eight people were to pitch, you know, a Christmas show, they may not be able to do eight Christmas shows the next year. But the idea is that if you pitch an idea that scores high enough, usually the theater will work with you to get it to a point where it maybe can be produced. Now, like any other theater, there are other factors that, get considered when they decide what to ultimately put on stage, right. but it's pretty, it's pretty fair. Yeah. 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 Um, so when you, when you pitched it, how far along did you just have a basic idea or a structure or did you have some scenes written or was it all completed and just, here we go. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, it was a while ago. I can't quite remember. I think I'd say that I probably had like, you know, maybe 10 minutes of strong material and ideas for the rest of it. Um, so it was still in the early stages for sure. Okay. So you, yeah. but you, you didn't have like a, uh, even like a draft of a script. It was more like uh, concepts and 
Yeah, I had like a couple completed sketches. In fact, okay, gotcha. uh, the the video that I'm releasing tomorrow uh, is where I read uh, Green Eggs and Ham, mm. uh, but I oh. switch out some words. I, that's what I pitched. So like for my pitch, I just did that piece. Um, and so like, so it was like, this is oh, the cool. tone. This gotcha, is what it'll gotcha. be like. Uh, yeah. I love the voice you do for that one. It's just oh, like, it sells you. it. It sells it so yeah. hard. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, the contrast. Yeah. It's, oh, wow. Yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah. So, so you, you make the pitch and it becomes one of the, uh, produced works for the year. And, mm-hmm. um, so what, what was it like going through the rest of the process? Take, taking just the, the few concepts you had and then building out, out the rest. Um, like, was that, was it, a, did it, did it come pretty quickly or did it take a lot of like consideration of, uh, you know, how to approach everything that you wanted to cover in the show? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a process. So it, it was a lot that kind of went into it. So I, I think there were there were a couple elements. So one, uh, there's a show that used to happen in Atlanta that doesn't exist anymore called Dottie. And it was basically a solo comedy showcase. And the only rule, you could do whatever you want. It's just that it had to be solo performance, but it couldn't be stand-up and it couldn't be improv. So it w- and, uh, and also, like most of the time, it was people doing new stuff. And the crowd was great. So it was a it was a good place for me to test out like what kind of things I was comfortable with as a solo performer. Because prior to doing the show, most of the work that I had done was was mostly improv and a little bit of stand-up, but I hadn't really done as much solo sketch in front of an audience. So I would do that show Dottie every month and try different like mechanisms or like uh like techniques each month, like, oh, what if I used music this week? What if I did crowd work this week? What if I played several characters this week? And it wasn't necessarily that I was doing material that would ultimately end up in the show, but I was exploring like different ways that I might perform. So doing that as I wrote the script was invaluable because hmm. it also just gave me confidence as a performer. Uh, the other thing that I did too was that um, I consulted with um, people from my life to really kind of like nail down the right tone so it's just like how are you speaking bluntly and directly about race relations without necessarily feeling like the audience is attacked yet also at the same time not trying to shy away from things and that's not something that i feel like i've ever really i think you're constantly doing that as a comedian i don't think that process is ever done but i think that i was able to meet with a couple of people early on so i had a theater professor her name is sandra richards and i showed her like an early draft of the script and her feedback really helped me retool it. I think it would have gone in a different direction without her uh, suggestions. Uh, I also had an improv teacher uh, in Iowa, Chicago named Barry Height. Um, and uh, he also gave me a lot of great pointers uh, as well. And then, um, and then like the, the, the big part, the thing that made it like a show show was the rehearsal process that I had through dad. So I had like, three weeks to a month of rehearsal and Megan Leahy is an ensemble member of Daz Garage. And she was the director for the first iteration of the show. And basically we would just kind of get together every day, her and Haley Brotherton, the um, stage manager. And I would just kind of like do stuff again and again and again to them. And that kind of like ironed out the tone and the pace and all those things. Uh, so for that first iteration of the show, those were the primary elements that made it what it was. Okay, so and then, and then some of your, you had a little bit of of uh, 
building up a sensibility between you and direct interaction with the audience from doing a little bit of stand up and um so like it, it and then and then when you said that your professor like helped you kind of uh turn into a different tone was that was that about like the uh overall just the tone just the treatment of of everything or or, or is it about like what kind of content to include because originally like like just a uh, sorry to uh pile on uh but uh i just thought it was interesting that you said that the uh green eggs and hams uh sketch was the first one because that doesn't really have anything to do with um cinema culture uh and the magic negro concept uh so i'm just kind of curious um if early conversations also made it more and more about pop culture representation and stereotypes. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's a great point about it not being directly related to, you know, movies, I guess in my mind is sort of like the treatment of blackness in our culture. So maybe that's another way to put it. So it's just like the way that the, that the N word is handled, you know what I'm saying? Mm, like yeah. in our culture, the way that it's televised or filmed, you know? Uh, but uh, in reference to, or in response rather to my professor, I think that some of the earlier drafts that I had of some pieces uh, maybe hit hard stuff without properly building and releasing tension. So, uh, and I can't really remember our talks exactly, but she said that um, what I, so I don't remember what she said, but, but basically my takeaway from it is from my talks with her and my, talks with my old improv teacher, Barry, was just like, be intentional about how you choose to raise and release tension so that it is not like uneven in terms of how you are expressing discomfort or jokes so that it doesn't come across as pure anger or like not taking things seriously. And yeah. so just kind of being deliberate about like what you're introducing and when. And that balance is something that, like, I still am ex exploring, not just with that show, but with other pieces, you know? Yeah. Because then it kind of brings up questions about, like, well, I mean, who do you want to feel discomfort when and why? Because we all have different thresholds. So it's kind of like, but that's kind of like almost a different thing. But that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then once you start, Okay, so so you have your initial run of it at Dad's Garage, um, mm -hmm. and then at what point do you have the thought of like, let me take this on the road, and like, what what was it like to prepare for that, in both um, adapting it for what you can't really carry with you, and also yeah. for the like figuring out uh, how you're going to uh, reach different audiences, or um, uh, again, like kind of just taking notes along the way of. Um, what's working and, and adding in new stuff or if you were doing that. Certainly. So, uh, while I was doing the show at dad's garage, I also applied for a grant at uh, a theater in town here called the Alliance theater. And they have a grant program called the riser artists lab. And it's funded by a family in Atlanta called the rise and their last name are the risers. And so each year, this theater uh, gives three projects like a year to year and a half to develop. So you get rehearsal space, you get use of their, you get, uh, you can get feedback from their staff. They also give you money to like develop the piece. And so after, so at Dad's Garage, I ran the show for about a month. So I had the chance to do the show a bunch of times. And that gave me a lot of information about what was working and what was not. 
And then I started the, uh, the lab program where I got to continue to work with Megan Leahy, who was the director of the show, as well as Linnea Fry, who was the marketing director at Daz Garage. And she kind of came on as a producer, as well as another voice in the room, because she's, she's also an excellent comedian, Megan and Linnea both. And at the Alliance, uh, there was a, essentially, she, she was a dramaturg for us. Her name's Jessica Holt. Uh, she's a direct, she's a theater director, but she was in residence at the Alliance when I was doing my grant. And so we would just meet up and choose, try to develop the piece. And in addition to trying to push the show further, we also adapted it. So the show from the beginning was always, always very stripped down because I always knew I wanted to travel with it. Oh, okay. But then it's just like, but then it was just like, okay, but now let me really strip it down so that, uh, so that um, I can keep everything in my backpack if I need to. Uh, and so that was honestly just try, you know, trial and error, honestly. So like I had a tape, started submitting to festivals uh, and just started doing them. And uh, each time I would learn a little bit about like what worked and what didn't work. Uh, and then through the Riser Artist Lab program, uh, it was cool because I got to do closed performances as well as public performances to get more feedback. So, you know, for like a good year and some change, I would just be doing festivals, performances, in-house, out of town. And just from doing it again and again, it's not so much that you're making like these huge changes, but more so you're getting confident in what does or doesn't work, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I wasn't yeah. really so much the type of person that would be like, I do a show and then like completely rewrite it. It's more so like I do a show be like, yeah, that still works in this region of the country. And then, oh, it still <laughs> yeah. works in this region of the country. And then a couple months go by and you do it a lot. And then you're like, oh, you know what? And this joke should actually be that, you know? Um, and so it just kind of slowly evolved. And then towards the end of my time uh, with the Riser Lab, the Alliance Theater said like, oh, you know, uh, we like the show and we'd like to give it uh, like a full regional production. So the Alliance is you know, has a, li a little bit more money than Daz Garage. And um, we want to like build a set. So you've been touring it, but we want to do like a full production uh, with like a, a big old set and props and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and sorry if I'm rambling a little too. No, no, but, um, no. Uh, but, and so, okay, cool. And so then, uh, so with that one, uh, that was a way more souped up production. And so for that one, uh, Anthony LeBlanc uh, directed that, that version of the show. And Anthony uh, just recently was named um, executive, new executive producer of the Second City. Uh, but at the time, he was a director at the Second City. And, um, and so it was really great to work with him. And so some ways that the show kind of evolved further was uh, his direction, uh, as well as uh, bringing in uh, a composer from the Second City that he had worked on that kind of up the, the soundtrack of the show, uh, having a, a, a full set changed a lot. We also had a projectionist that came in from out of town. And so all these things made it a, a, a more immersive experience, like a theatrical experience as opposed to Modern just... Modern theatrical too, a projectionist. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, so it was a different experience rather than... And not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's a different experience than just me kind of standing in a black box, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like right. with like 10 simple cues. And, and I don't necessarily like prefer one version over the next. It's just, you know, two different versions. 
So, well, so what about in terms of like a learning experience? Uh, do, do you feel sure. you did a bunch of shows in Atlanta? Um, yeah. And then, and then a bunch, uh, cause I know you said you were doing festivals, but like when you came yeah. to go comedy, um, uh, you were just tra- traveling in and visiting. It seemed like you were just making your way all over. So like, um, from getting to take the show a- a- to travel versus like mm-hmm. doing a- as many shows or, um, in one spot with one community, where yeah. are you learning more about like the show and yourself and like the, 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 the community and the audience impact? Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, overall shows didn't vary that much from, city to city. I think that that's probably maybe what I learned the most, but there were some things that made a difference, you know? So if you're at an improv comedy festival, uh, the audience is going to skew a little younger. And so that reaction is going to be different. If you're in like an old theater that's been around for decades, um, the audience is going to be decades older and the reception to the pieces is going to be different. So it's like if you're in front of a young audience, obviously, and you play the Migos, that means something to them versus like an older audience that may not have heard them. It like they may not catch the reference. Some other things that make a difference would be like the makeup of the crowd. So if you go to places like Detroit, Atlanta, especially, you know, certain nights you might be performing for like a majority black audience and that can change the tone of the show. Um, but if you're doing it for all white audiences, especially after Trump got elected, honestly, um, reactions were different, you know, like, uh, nothing like outwardly hostile, but it's just like things changed at the, like the more I've done the piece. Yeah. And, I bet, uh, yeah. 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 And so, um, uh, one kind of funny thing, funny, not funny. Uh, so like I was, uh, uh, one of the places I took the show was the Edmonton Fringe Festival, which was a really cool um, experience. Uh, Edmonton, don't know if you've been, but they have the largest fringe festival in North America. And so you got all these shows, and the city of Edmonton kind of shuts down for a couple weeks, and they're, it, the town is taken over by this huge theater festival. And uh, they're great audiences, but, like, hardly any Black people. It was so weird. Like, I think... that. That, that experience was so strange because I, I don't think I've seen so few black people like in my life for that period of time. And it, it was just odd. The, the reason I say all that is um, in the version of the show that I did in Canada, the first night I was there, I did a version of the show where I pretend to like have this breakdown and act like I can't continue the show. It's a part of the act where one moment you're not really sure if it's real or not. And then by the end, you're pretty sure that you know, that was a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the fr- the reason I bring this up is at the fringe, like the way you sell, the, the way you sell tickets, the way you make money is like word of mouth and good reviews. Mm. So it's like, if you don't have really good reviews, it makes it harder to sell tickets. And then it, it can go from being a money-making thing to something where you lose money. Uh, so anyway, so the person that was in the audience reviewing me that first night didn't, understand oh what was happening oh, no. and, and, yeah and, and in her review she <laughs> thought that I, yeah. she thought i had a meltdown and tried to recover the show but couldn't really because you wow. do that and, part right in the middle of a like it, it, you almost set up a bit and then you do that part from, from what i remember yeah yeah oh yeah wow. and 
Yeah. And so uh, fortunately it worked out where it's just like uh, the show had good word of mouth. I, I marketed the show really hard. So I was able to sell tickets, but um, there were experiences like that where I would go to a town or a city where like certain broad, broader aspects of the comedy they'd understand, but some of the more nuanced aspects of the show, either they didn't quite get or they just weren't used to having those conversations in that city. So like, it's, I mean, I don't know how Atlanta compares to the rest of the world. I, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really know what it's like, but I know that it's not unheard of to like have conversations about race on stage, but I'd go to some other cities where it just wasn't as common, you know, and uh, responses, uh, you'd see that and how they respond. Um, Do you talk so, yeah. to people in in city to city, whether whether for festivals or just visiting? Um, you know, when you're tra- when you're touring with it by yourself, yeah. Uh, do you get to have meaningful conversations uh, more often than not, or, or is it sometimes just kind of like, well, the show went good or bad, and then it's like night, everyone, I got to move on. Uh, sometimes they're meaningful. Honestly, with that show, it's a little weird. Like most of the time, people don't really have much to say to me afterwards. I mean, it's not a lot of conversations. Usually, if there is a long conversation, I'm not trying to be mean. Honestly, the times that I've been like held up after the show talking to someone at length is usually like a white person telling me some obscure story about like a time that they thought they saw racism, you you know, like, so it's not, Oh no. (laughs) So, so not, not like, not like a very productive conversation. Um, and now, I mean, I'm not trying to say that that's not productive for them. I'm just saying for me, I wouldn't get a lot out of those conversations. Um, uh, I mean, sometimes like, you know, you might travel and you'd meet other black performers that maybe could relate to like what you were exploring in the piece and some good stuff definitely came out of that. But I, I, I don't know if it's like a positive or a negative, but it's just like, I think uh, th- there wouldn't be too many conversations. It's like you really lay a lot out there in the show. So to like yeah, rehash yeah. it or to just kind of like, especially if, if you are, uh, 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 playing to majority white audience to, to come mm-hmm. up and and then I don't know they j- I just feel like it would be a tough thing to approach uh, a performer about too is just be like hey c- can I give you some of my baggage or like um, <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean that's kind of I mean like I, I have done runs at places where like I like so uh, I'm getting the years kind of run together but I think maybe last year or the year before last or something, uh, I did a run at the Cleveland Playhouse for the new new ground play festival where, where it's like new playwrights show up and you do like a weekend of shows. And so I remember for that one, we did Q&As after every show. Um, and, you know, sometimes good stuff comes out of it, sometimes not. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, so about about that moment in the show where uh, you set up like, uh, is it always Beyonce goes to a, like a slave plantation is like the setup so sometimes yes and sometimes no so like the first version of the show didn't have it sometimes when i would tour it would have it sometimes it wouldn't have it you know so it's like uh i guess the the most recent iteration of the show where i like i left off with it yes that's that's there yeah but but, and and it's and it's like here's uh not maybe not heavy-handed isn't the right term but but like here's uh 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 name of a sketch that makes you go, 
how's he going to pull this off? Is, <laughs> is that typically what you're using is, is like something that, that kind of makes people get people in that spot so that they're like um, kind of tense for about how you're going to approach whatever's going to happen. Yeah. So like um, at the time when I mentioned Beyonce in a slave plantation, I also uh, uh, underscored it with one of her songs that she was that was popular at the time. That oh, yeah, was yeah, also right? exploring. There was also explore. Yeah, there was also exploring race relations, and so there was also like a small conversation go, uh, being had about what she was trying to say or what she wasn't saying. And uh, just something as extreme. And so I was trying to kind of mash together a bunch of things so the audience would understand why maybe I would be uncomfortable about doing that sketch. Gotcha. You know, so it's just like, so, so there's like Beyonce in that particular song, putting her in a slave plantation, also me playing Beyonce. And mm-hmm. just the, if I've set up the show where I'm talking about exploring black men in comedy, there's also like, the history of black men uh, per- performing as as women in comedy sketches, you know, and so just kind of throwing in all these things, uh, not really saying anything about them in the sketch, but just throwing all these elements out there, so that an audience member might un- been like, "Oh, that's a lot to think about," yeah. and if he's kind of like getting uncomfortable at this moment, I kind of get it. So that that's the reason why that why it's titled that so totally so yeah there are several parts uh during during the show you bring in you bring audience members onto the stage uh i always love that but with this show like did you have uh, i mean was there a process of learning like because you 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 take care of these people so well and, and talk about difficult things and it i think it's so educational what you're doing and entertaining and it just it's amazing and I can see how it could also be hard at some points, you know, because sometimes, you know, you, you, you stare at an audience member all day, but they're not leaving that chair. Um, but also, like, you know, just making them comfortable enough to to have this kind of it's kind of like a, 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 um, a metaphor for conversations that we should be having. And yeah. you, t- you really take care of them. So, I mean, how how is how how has that been? Yeah, mostly positive, you know, I, I think, um, and that kind of comes from like the improv background where you learn about who is good to pick as an audience volunteer and who is not. So you want to pick someone that may seem hesitant, but of course definitely wants to be on stage. So mm-hmm. if, if anytime someone doesn't want to get on stage, I'm not going to push them, oh, yeah. you know? So it's like, so if someone doesn't want to get on stage, just like move on quick, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I think like once both them and the audience understand that you're trying to make them look good, you're fine. You know? Um, uh, and that, then the only time you would really run into issues is, you know, if the audience volunteers trying to be funny or they inebriated, oh, yeah. you know, like those I was going to ask you if that was ever a thing that you had to put up with, or, you know, especially with the material you're, you're dealing with, like, uh, you know, people being with, cheeky with the, or yeah, the, the, when you do the Q and A's and stuff like that, like, yeah, yeah, 
you know, nothing's really been like so, so bad. Like for me personally, I okay. think sometimes people have said some things that made themselves look bad. Oh, yeah. um, I did a show once in North Carolina and there's a point at the end of the show uh, where I bring up an audience member and I kind of like do an icebreaker conversation with them. And the question that I ask is slavery, uh, slavery, like yay or nay. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, do you think slavery is good or bad? Like slavery, good or bad? Yes or no. And um, maybe they thought maybe they thought I was trying to like catch them or like get them to say something. Uh, I don't know why, but they said their answer was that there are many different types of slavery, as opposed to saying like yes or no. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I think that that's probably like the the. That may be like the most unusual thing okay. that someone said like out loud. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that prevent weird people actually making it on stage, you know, because I mean, it's just like I I'm able to see if they're into it or not. Also, the show is called The Magic Negro and Other Blackness. So, you know, if, if you come to that show, you probably have an inkling of what's going to go down, right. you, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and kind of on the, that note, and, and going back to the um, the quote unquote meltdown uh, moment, you know, part of what you express in that you kind of like, you know, you're like, uh, let, let's stop, let's bring up the lights, and um, there's there's two main things that, uh, and and you know, let me know how accurate I am in, in uh, reiterating these, Mark. But um, one one thing is that you say is that. Uh, you you're going out of your way to make people uh comfortable in the audience and especially the white members of the audience because it's all dealing with race and there's this uh uh question or worry that you bring up about like especially using comedy that you're making people feel comfortable about topics and subject matter that really don't bring you any comfort and there, there's another uh point in there in terms of using comedy where you're like um you know, you're, you're worrying that you might be contributing to stereotypes in your character work uh, and that a lot of stereotypes come from comedy and film and in television and, and, and in theater. And that you might be adding new stereotypes while you're while you're addressing others. So I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, like, I, you know, that's written into your show. And it's kind of like, again, you peeling back the curtain to have this conversation with yourself or a uh, dilemma with yourself. But like, where is your head at now? Um this far past the show we're moving on to the next thing about like the role of comedy and those questions that you raise in that moment of the show. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's something that I still kind of just question all the time, you know? So it's like, so I'll give you some examples. So it's like, uh, you know, I come from improv, my background is improv. So when I first traveled with the show, I'd be going to a bunch of improv theaters. And so most improv theaters, like, their audience is almost always majority white unless like sometimes maybe more people would come knowing that like oh uh, there's going to be a black show that's going to be there and so sometimes like there might be like a di slightly different turnout but more often than not like audiences would be very white and so those audiences are going to have like a certain threshold so you know something that i've been thinking about recently is like you know th their comfort level is going to be what it is and so it either I'm going to write stuff that makes them laugh or I'm going to write stuff that 
may not make them feel so comfortable all the time, but I know it actually is not that bad. It's just, you're not used to having those conversations yet. And, uh, and so then it brings up questions. It's like, oh, well, maybe like improv theaters aren't really like the best place right now uh, for like the type of content like that I want to make if I want to go somewhere and get a lot of laughs. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, are, are you trying to, like, yeah, really push people's uh, comfort zones versus, like, really bring a, a piece of, like, entertainment that's hitting its mark? It's not even about pushing comfort zones, honestly. I mean, I guess it kind of is. It's more so about, like, uh, really kind of getting to the heart of certain issues on race, right? Yeah. And so if – but if you're someone that is still not even sure that race or racism really exists, your capacity to like understand certain arguments is going to be limited, you know? And, uh, and so, so it's just like, I don't know if that's really like who I want to be writing comedy for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, if that's the majority of the audiences that show up at improv theaters, that might not be the right space for me to explore solo work, you know? And it's not, I would never do shows there again. I still do shows in improv theaters, but it's more so just asking where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of questions about like, you know, who am I writing for? What spaces does it make sense to write in? You know, um, uh, things like that. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, and it's not like it's new, right? I mean, uh, when I would travel with the Magic Negro show, there'd be certain jokes where the audience would go like, but then the black, but it would be a release for black audience members. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, but um, I think you can kind of get into trouble when you're trying to make sure, like I said in the show, if you're trying to make sure that everyone laughs all the time, because then the people that maybe give a little bit more thought to this in their day-to-day lives, maybe you never really show them anything new, you know, like if they come to show. And so for me, it's just kind of like, well, what would I want to see? You know, like, I don't think I need to see much more comedy for me personally. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about comedy in general. I'm just talking about the stuff that I would like to make. I, I don't want to make um, too much more stuff where it's just like racism is bad. And then sure. you don't really say anything other than that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we know it's there. We know it's bad. Um, so it's just like, but do you have anything else to maybe say about it and not even necessarily solutions, but it's just like different feelings that you want to explore about it. So, um, yeah. So, and and it's not like I feel, it's not like I feel bad about the the stuff that is in the show right now. Like I said, I'm, I'm releasing, um, the green eggs and ham sketch tomorrow and I've updated it. It's a little different. Um, but yeah, I realize this is kind of rambling, but as far as like no, where I'm at, I, it's, no, it's, no. A, it's a great, all, all really, really great points for consideration, especially in terms of like the growth of an artist in general, like subject matter aside, you're going to get to points, um, where you've said what you need to say and it's time to move on to the next thing to say. And, uh, in terms of a venue too, I mean, like in the improv community, again, regardless of what type of show you're doing, it, it's, it's still like, a uh, its own audience and community and culture and uh it's tough to kind of bridge the gap between like the the show and then go pitch it to like a a a legit theater when you're like uh oh is this like improv and sketch you know (laughs) is is like the expected response like uh 
the, it, it, like, yeah. So, so I totally hear what you're saying. And I, I think it's a really, those are really, really valuable points, uh, to hear, um, in the, the, the thought of developing as an artist. Yeah. Um, so what are you, what are you looking to do next? Uh, we talked a little bit before this and, uh, you let me know that, that the show, um, you're probably retiring in its, in its form uh, as a live show, but you're pulling things out of it for digital content. And then, uh, so, so tell me about where that's, that process is at and, and other things that you're working on right now. Sure. Yeah. So, um, been trying to work on doing more video stuff primarily because like, you know, live performance is not a thing right now, at least not in the way that it, I, I'm not performing live right now. Right, um, right. And even before that, you know, I'd wanted to kind of create more of a, a catalog of video stuff so that, you know, for people that can't see me live, they still have uh, an idea of the type of comedian I am. And so I did a one. Uh, so like I, a couple weeks ago, I released a video piece uh, about public transportation in Atlanta, um, which is from the show. And then uh, tomorrow I'm releasing another uh, Magic Negro piece from the show. Um, and so I'm trying to do a mix of like sketches that I've had, uh, you know, just hanging around live that I want to do on video as well as uh, new stuff as well. Um, so that's like kind of like the video stuff that I'd like to try to do. Cool. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I've been working on a new solo show for, you know, a year-ish or so. Uh, and it's called Diversity Now. And the idea is that it's me leading a diversity seminar uh, to new uh, black hires at a company. And the idea behind it is that a lot of times when, uh, and who knows if these conversations are going to be changing now, just given all this going on in the world. But mm -hmm. uh, about a year ago, let's say, uh, a lot of times when a company or any group of people would say, we want to get better with diversity and inclusion. Uh, usually what that meant was going at the pace of what the white people in that company felt comfortable with, you know, as opposed to what actually helped serve the, the underrepresented groups in the company. And so that's how you kind of have like those conversations where, you know, you have this diversity and inclusion seminar or something like that. We meet for hours and at the end, as far as we get is racism is bad, you, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, okay. and, and then the black people in that space have to do a lot of emotional labor of making everybody feel okay, right? And so uh, the idea about diversity now is like, well, what if I gave like this fictional diversity and inclusion seminar that was for like black people and like, was for them and went at their pace. And, uh, and so it was a little bit kind of taking away from where I left off with Magic Negro a little bit in that sense and trying to explore what that looks like. Um, and so I did like a couple readings last year and put it up on its feet a little bit, uh, but it's still, still trying to work on it, still trying to figure that out. Uh, but that's the premise of the new show. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I really enjoy your writing because you always come from a place of truth and just a lot of your, your comedies is, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess it's 
coming from a place of truth and just being honest. Uh, watching watching uh, your show earlier, I think the, the link you sent us was like two or three years old. And a lot of the stuff you brought up still exists. And it, and, and it's timely. Like, uh, because I was watching it, like, in my living room, uh, it could have been the news. And it was just, cr- it is crazy, man. Like, but it's, I think it's so important what you're doing. And it's, it, and, and thank you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, yeah, I, I'm excited for this show because I, I, I just, I just think what you're doing is so fucking cool. Uh, and, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, lo- I love that Marta sketch, by the way, and I think that it's it's uh, because the premise is is about um, public transportation going from like inner city out, out to like the uh, fringes into the suburbs and whether that's going to lead to uh, black crime venturing out. Um, and uh, I, th- I just I know that we've had that conversation in Detroit. Um, I'm, I, I would imagine that it happens in, you know, all the, the that overlap community in every city that has public transit and how far it should go out and the, and the ridiculous consequences yeah. um why is your fear ridiculous <laughs> you know yeah so it's funny it's 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 like it's like uh because because you're being so specific to uh the atlanta community but i i it, you could just replace words and county names and it's the same thing in so many other places so um that's great. We, we will include a, a link to that sketch in this episode, um, as, as well as the uh, one that comes out, which uh, the Green Eggs and Ham one should be coming out the same day that this episode is released. Um, and then uh, what, what, what else are you doing? You're doing a, some, some teaching right now. Is that right? Yeah. So um, uh, Kickstand Comedy in, in Portland, Oregon, um, they reached out to me to teach uh, a BIPOC class. Uh, so... What's going to happen is um, it's going to be online. It's going to be virtual. It's an eight-week introduction to improv class that I'll be teaching. And the thing that's cool about this is uh, it's free to the students. So, But there is an application process. So uh, you apply to take the class. Uh, priority is given to uh, students in the Portland area because they're trying to build up that community. But they will reserve some spots Uh for people that don't live in Portland because it'll be a virtual class. And uh, I'm trying to spread the word about it um, just because I, I really appreciate what Kickstand is doing and trying to, uh, you know, uh, create this opportunity for uh, these uh, improvisers in their community. Uh, but also I fear, feel like the more people sign up, the more they'll see there is a demand for this kind of thing. Uh, and they already want to do it, but it's just like yeah, the more yeah. people uh choose to sign up, the more they'll see like, oh, it's good that we were doing this and encourage them to continue with it. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's, that's amazing. So, so kickstand is based in Portland is what you said, right? It's, it's in Portland. Yeah. It, they are. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's the, just the model of that, of, of just having like, uh, using the opportunity of the pandemic right now where for all the shittiness that's going on that you're also um opening new doors for like the virtual realm and and being able to uh connect communities in and resources in in these uh really great ways that's an awesome example of uh how to be innovative with that medium so very very good on them uh and good on you um okay mark is is there anything else that you wanted to uh plug or let us know that you're working on um 
I mean, that's a uh, lot. That's you're doing. You're doing a ton, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can just say um, uh, you can follow my comedian page on Facebook if you just search for Mark Kendall. Um, uh, it'll at my face. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. I just joined Instagram really recently. Uh, Congratulations! Cool. All right. Uh, yeah. So at Mark Kendall Comedy is my Instagram handle. So if you want to follow me on social media, and um, you know, I'll be posting my videos there. I'm not doing any live shows right now, but uh, when I go back to that, whenever that is, I'll post about it there too. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Mark. This has been a really awesome conversation. Yeah. Um, glad to know that you're healthy and safe and uh, look forward to all the things you're working on. And um, we'll talk, hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Man. Th- really appreciate it. Yeah. Great to see y'all. And thanks to everyone for joining us. And we'll catch you next time on Improv FAQ at length. Bye. Bye.